space, the final frontier. Zone, a Star Trek podcast by ladies, where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I am, as ever, your host, Kareen, joined by the amazing Kim. Hello. And the perfectly adequate Ari. And we're back. And welcome to episode 27, or as I like to call it, let's do the time warp again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and why can't we stop? Do you, like, sit on your own... When we're not doing the podcast and think of these intros, or did they just come to you? They just come to me like a flash of genius. So, welcome to the alternative factor, which I think we can all agree is a hot mess. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, this was such a hot mess that I don't even hate it. I just don't understand what the hell was happening. Like, no negative feelings. Just bafflement. Bafflement. Are you sure? Like, maybe negative universe feelings you have? <laughs> but how would you know, Kareem? Anti-feelings? Except there was no actual time travel in this episode. There was. Yeah, was okay. There? We're going to get to this explanation. I had, <laughs> okay. to, I had to diagram this out twice. Once when he was actually saying, like, giving his explanation of what happened, which apparently I interpreted incorrectly, once when I was reading the explanation on Memory Alpha... Which I'm still confused about, but think I've got nailed down. Okay. Okay. Kareem, can you it just no <laughs> Can we just start by can you just explain what the hell is going on and like how did this episode come about? Like what is going on? So there are this is the first episode that dear deals with parallel universes. Mm-hmm. And it deals with parallel universes in a way that they never deal with parallel universes again. Yeah. yeah. Um, in that there is a positive universe made of matter. And then on the other side of, like, the rainbow connection. The Bifrost. The Bifrost. There is the negative or antimatter universe. And yes. never the twain shall meet. Except that they, somebody somehow created a bridge between them? No, there's always been a bridge. Okay, there's always they been a bridge. discovered the bridge. They yeah. discover the bridge. It's kind of like, and the best explanation I could give to myself was like a caterpillar universe. But not a regular caterpillar, like the big hungry caterpillar. <laughs> in which there are like balls and then little shafts. And then ball, and then shaft, and then ball, and then shaft. It's kind of like those toys that you had, which were on a string. Yeah. And then they had little wooden little balls attached to it. Then... Yeah, so that is So it's just an endless string of universes? As far as... as in okay. this episode, there are only two. Yeah. There's the positive universe, and which then there's universe. bizarro universe. Okay. Okay. Are you with me so... Far. Yes, sure. this all makes actually perfect sense okay. yeah. with what we were explaining in the episode. 
So, there's this guy named Lazarus who at no point in the episode introduces himself. Nope. No, I did notice that. Yeah, Kirk just starts It happens in one of the many, many scene changes, I'm assuming. Yeah. When they were walking or like standing awkwardly around in a corridor so waiting for the Transformers. Changes. Yes. Transporters. So, background to this Lazarus is kind of our guest star of the week. And he was supposed to be played by John Barrymore, father of. Drew Barrymore. Okay. Yeah. So, day of the filming, they're getting ready to do his scenes. Because this is actually a fairly juicy role. You're paling two characters, one who's a little bit paranoid, delusional, and one who's a wispy time travel. I'm going to say wispy a lot in this episode. It's just right there, whispering in the wind. It's the wispiest beard you ever seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. I think I wrote this down as the worst beard in television. The worst fake beard I have ever seen in my life. It's like when you would make your own dolls, if you ever did, and you'd take pieces of yarn and kind of glue it yeah, in the approximation yes. of hair. It looks like they did the same thing. And it changes length and thickness yep. from oh, scene to scene. Yep. Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> yes. There's one scene where it is extremely noticeable, and it's like barely there, wispiness, you can't really see it, and then the next scene it's like, full bush. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's a lot of enlarging and embiggening, and then deflating. <laughs> so, yes, they're gonna start filming, um, John Barrymore's supposed to come on set that morning, and they're gonna start doing all the scenes with Lazarus. He does not show up. Oh. Oh, oh that's not good. He does not show up. Okay. Did, what, did no he explanation? die? Did no. he get super drunk and fall in a gutter? Like, what happened? Did not show up. Just didn't show up. Just like, did not show I'm up. not doing this and didn't show up. Thanks, but no thanks. Oh, wow. So eventually Star Trek did file a grievance against him, and he didn't work for six months after that. Because <laughs> when you are contracted to come and work, yeah. you're supposed to work. And we know through previous episodes how rushed the filming of Star Trek There was no time for dicking around. There was no time for anything. And we've had episodes where we know that the filming order was a little bit different because they didn't have time to edit the... Or they were too busy doing the special effects for it. So for the main guest star not to show up... Especially since he was in just about every every scene. Yeah. I think there's like two or three that he's not in. Wow, that's really bad. So... William Shatner and Robert Adair Mackenzie Brown, who ends up playing Lazarus, had actually shot a pilot together. That is one hell of a name. Ain't it just? That's a lot of names. That's a lot of names. About a Swede and an Irishman who immigrate to America. Oh, that doesn't sound racially insensitive at all. I would have paid cash to watch this television. I would have paid cash to never see it. (laughs) And so Shatner recommended Robert Brown for the role. And Robert Brown, and this is what I have seen everywhere on every article that I've read about this, was dragged to set. <laughs> no rehearsals, no nothing. They I have this dragged him. To I have set. this picture of Shatner in his like command uniform, like walking up to this guy's door, kicking it in, <laughs> grabbing him in his like bathrobe, and dragging him out and tossing him in the backseat of a car. You'll do. <laughs> <laughs> You're hired. I got you work. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I honestly thought that Robert Dun- Brown did a great job. And that's yeah. not just because his last name is Brown. <laughs> <laughs> so the other part of the 
story about the making of this episode is that uh, Charlene Masters, mm-hmm. who I'm sure we're going to be talking about later, yep, yep, was supposed to have a romance with Lazarus. Oh, she dodged a bullet. That was cut, and it was actually Gene Roddenberry who stepped in, and he said, "Another woman who falls in love with the brawny guest star and puts our whole gang into a real mess of trouble because she's in love." Do they have to do this in two of our scripts? Oh. Yeah. Good job, Gene Roddenberry. Thank you, Gene Roddenberry. Because she was baller. She was amazing. She was... But we will come to that because... Yeah, I think she made this episode worthwhile. And this is one of those weird... Again, Kim, I have no strong feelings about this. As a whole, me I am bewildered. I, yeah, again, like, I don't, like, you know, like, I hated Return of the Archons. I don't hate this. I don't feel anything about near what I felt. It, this is mostly just puzzlement as to what the hell was happening. I kind of like and this concept. It's not even the story that I'm having difficulty with. It's mostly just, like... The special effects and the extended scenes of walking on cliffs. And I'm like, what has happened to create this as an episode? I like a good cliff walk. I'm never (laughs) going to unenjoy the crew of Star Trek walking around Pride Rock. (laughs) Well, I mean, and it's like every time you changed a scene, we had to stop and recap everything that had just happened. Every single time there was a new scene. The thing that was making me really impatient is that Better than a third of this episode is watching Lazarus like seize against a wall. Yes, <laughs> and and the camera blur in and out of focus. Whoa. Yeah, I wish I could do that special effect because it really speaks to me and it, it really <laughs> encapsulates how I feel about this episode. And that I do like a good parallel universe story, mm-hmm. as do I, as a, as do I think. Everybody does. Sure, absolutely. I think we can all agree, as a people, that a parallel universe story is always interesting. Yes. And we are going to get some amazing parallel oh, yes. universe. Absolutely. Uh, Mirror Mirror coming up. Mm-hmm. And the next episode, which and is not a parallel universe, but could have been a parallel timeline if they had fucked it up. Sure. 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 But is this a parallel universe? Well, it's, yeah, I mean, the, narrative. I mean, technically, I believe Kirk does go to yeah, a parallel he universe. Does, he does, he does. So, like, there is a parallel universe story, but... Well, I mean, not in the classic sense okay. that I think we are all thinking it's about. not even a parallel universe, because there's also time travel. I'm going to show you guys my diagram. Okay. We'll and then I'm going to describe this. it with words. Okay. So, Lazarus is our main character. So, who, we, we, we have... Positive Lazarus? Is that... Yeah. Positive Lazarus has the head wound. Yes. And negative Lazarus has so no head I'm wound. I'm going to call him Pazarus <laughs> and Nazarus. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to be confusing at all. Not at all. So, in our regular universe, the positive one, mm-hmm. in the future... There is a race of people who figure out that there's a parallel universe. And Lazarus is part of these people from the future who figure this out. And the idea of there being another one of him freaks him out so much that he goes crazy. Okay. So wait. So wait, wait. (laughs) Okay. Yes. He, so 
Positive Lazarus. Lazarus. He's from the future? Yes. I thought he was from the past. No, that that part makes sense to me. But are you no, saying... No, because he was saying that the world has become desolate. It's just... It, it's been in the past. It's been so destroyed that he... I thought he had moved forward through time and found it still a desolate wasteland where nothing will grow. Well... I don't know if he went forward or back. He comes from another time. I, yeah, I feel like, I, I mean, like, past. I think I feel like he came, like, if where we are is, like, in this episode is present, which it obviously sure. is, he came from the past where his civilization still was existed. Dis- still existed. Still existed. And yeah. he came forward to, to so, this, so this will planet. be his future. Did he find that the world, part of his, his angst is he finds the world so is still desolate. So something about the accessing the Bifrost or whatever is what destroyed only that planet, but not the universe, I mean, which is the current threat? You can't trust what he's saying. No, right. Because, because he's, he's lying. Yeah, he's a liar and he's unreliable, even when he's telling the truth. Okay, but are you saying that the, 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 the crazy one is yeah. the one from our universe? Yes. yes. Okay. Okay, so, I think I've got it. Past or present, whatever. it honestly doesn't matter. So he learned that there is a parallel, their, their culture understood that there's a parallel universe and he understood that there was a second one of him and that fact alone drove him insane. Yes. But before he went totally insane, he built himself a time ship. Time and space. Yes. He built himself a TARDIS. Basically. Which 100% looks like a UFO. Yep. Although in the novelization of it, it is described as a cone. I don't know... What episode this, well, this guy saw? This is clearly cooler looking than a car. No, so he drives his time ship to our present, where he is going to grab the dilithium crystals from the Enterprise, go over the Bifrost, and kill his double. Yeah, slash destroy the universe by coming into contact with his devil. Yeah, he came to this time specifically to steal the crystals. I thought I that think was he just, specifically came to just, steal the crystals. It came up, okay, yeah, because he was chasing his double. Yes, and yeah. here conveniently is a so, ship that runs on dilithium crystals. And okay, yeah, okay. So he crash lands. His, he's chasing his double. Yes, through time and dimension and, and space and space, mm-hmm. not space because they're on the same planet. Time and relative dimensions in space. Carry on. He's chasing his double through TARDIS. Yeah. Um, and he crash lands on this planet. I think he did crash. I think he just landed there. I think that's like where it he landed. Crashed, it looked pretty crashed. Uh, whatever. Okay. It doesn't matter. So then he discovers, he gets rescued-ish by the As, Enterprise. Yeah. Then he has, keeps having dimension shifting moments with his with his negative double yeah for reasons that's where (sighs) i don't quite because when they when he like swoons up against a wall it's almost and it flashes to them fighting on the bifrost right yeah Yeah. in this corridor and we never see what it looks like from our side like what it looks like in real life I think that that LSD trip is what okay. it's supposed well, but to look like. The LSD like in trip real life. is supposed to be the inside of the corridor because that's the only place where they can meet without destroying the universe. I think that they're no okay when they're in the ne- when they're in the blue space when it's negative the negative that's the corridor. That's, that's the, corridor. the corridor. Yeah, all the other stuff is the two universes yes. the opening and people passing through the universes. So whenever you have like I, I think 
That's the only thing I could think We're of. We all agreed that blue space is the corridor. Yes. yes. The planet that Kirk goes to the end is negative. Is negative. Is Zara will. Yeah, world. it's negative planet. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand how they're switching back and I don't forth. know. That, I, okay. think, I think. I have a theory about this. I think that since they seem to be able to freely pass through the corridor back and forth, and sure. one of them is always at the ship, and I think that when they come out of the corridor, no matter where they are, somehow they're always near enough to each other to drag the other one back into the corridor, which is how they can fight and not destroy the universe because they have to be inside the corridor for that to happen. Otherwise, this would have been a much shorter episode. Yeah, so they're fighting inside the corridor and they're able to go back and forth. And every time one of them has a blip, he's dragged somehow into the corridor where they fight and then one or the other of them comes out again. spit out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so my question then is how does the corridor keep opening? Is one of them opening it on purpose? Because... They don't... They describe it as a door... Yeah. They describe it as a lot of things. So, okay. I don't think they were super clear on this. From what I understood was that negative Lazarus was the one who discovered and opened the corridor and made contact with positive land. Or his people. Or his people did. Sure. And that drove positive Lazarus mad. Who And that's... How did this, though, lead to the destruction of his world? They don't explain. We don't get anything. No. Again, we are three quasi-intelligent adults, we can't figure out what has happened in this episode. No, we have five degrees between us? Yeah. <laughs> and we... Oh my god! And three lifetimes of consuming science fiction And we've nonsense. got nothing. Nothing. No idea. Like, I mean, I feel like I have a basic idea of what happened, but when we sit down and try and actually work out the mechanics of it, I'm it even more no sense. befuddled and bamboozled And it's than funny, because later Star Trek is has a much solider grasp on nonsense physics. Like, they make shit up, definitely, but they know how it works in this context, and in this particular instance, they just sort of went, this sounds cool, let's just go with it. No, it doesn't sound cool. No, it doesn't. Like, but to the 1960s, to maybe their standards were lower. simplify this considerably. But instead, they just keep talking well, and adding layers keep, upon yeah. layers upon layers and never actually explaining anything. Fine. Parallel universes. Fine. I was fine. Stop there. You are trapped in an in eternal battle because I, I liked the idea of uh, Pazarus thinks that Nazareth is this evil anti-life monster monster and yeah. i guess from his point of view when they discover that there are parallel universes that are that are anti-matter and they are matter yes that makes it's, sense they, they are the opposite of life especially hmm. if somehow in the past contact with this other world has led to the destruction of the, his civilization but yeah. it led to the destruction of everything because if we are to yeah. understand if they meet and in, touch and touch in any universe bizarro world or ours it, it will bring about the destruction of eternity so okay of all of the universe yeah they're so, very vague about so that, they though. have never touched but i think it's any kind of matching items well, this is, from this is, either side yes this is something because, i remember from sorry because kirk says if they destroy pazarus's ship yeah nazarus's ship will be destroyed as well which doesn't make any sense. No, it's no it doesn't. The, the the people thing, they I remember this being used later in um SD one. In terms of like sci fi logic, the idea of what do they call it? Entropic cascade failure, where yes. if you meet yourself from yes. another dimension or another yes. universe, only one of you can exist in the same universe before 
the one or the other of you will cease to exist. Yes. Okay. I'm on board with that. I can but live with that. They explain it in Stargate. Where Here, they're just like, oh, I don't know what'll happen. Probably witches. Destroy the universe. <laughs> well, no. They say if they, if they touch. No. But they don't explain that or even give nonsense logic for it. They're just like, no. oh, bad universe and stop. And but they don't explain anything. Question. Is it the ship? Because they don't actually travel to the Rainbow Bridge in the ship, but no, they no. need the ship to go to the Rainbow Bridge. You need to vaguely step I inside. was completely... I had no idea that the ship was connected to the travel, the dimensional travel at all. I thought he was using it as, like, that was how he yeah. time traveled. Yeah. Yes. And he was using it to power some kind of a weapon that he was planning to use to destroy. Yeah. But how really. that connected to the actual interdimensional travel. Absolutely no idea. Not clue. So yes. I just assumed it had nothing to do with it and they were somehow tethered to each other. Which is they why were they were, they were constantly swapping back and forth. I thought that that's what I thought until we get to the bit where Kirk, Kirk goes, goes through the ship. And that, like, he steps in the ship and gets flipped across. But I think that overwhelmingly, like, through the bulk of the episode, what Kim said is more likely is that the two Lazaruses are tethered and that's how they keep swapping. But then they introduce this thing about stepping into the ship to change universes and it gets complicated. I think that that part's just nonsense and I'm, I'm choosing to disregard it because it's insane. <laughs> Even more than the rest of this episode. Really? It's like, like that is actually, I'm actually thinking that would be a really great motto for this episode. <laughs> I'm choosing to disregard it because it is insane. <laughs> it, I mean, I, I like picking. I'm perfectly happy to pick and choose the stuff that is stupid from the stuff that makes sense. But the thing is about this episode is that it's like, there is no division or... Okay, also, I have watched this series twice before. No memory of this episode at all. And it was strangely, like watching it new. This is another one of the ones where I have bits and pieces that I remember from extremely early childhood, specifically the bit where he steals the dilithium crystals and they're wrapped in like a cloth. <laughs> and then I would be really disappointed by how stupid the dilithium crystals look. And you'll notice we never ever see dilithium crystal again. Yes, we do. Multiple times. We do? Oh, yes, we do. When? Uh, we're seeing them on a necklace coming up at some point in original series. They're purple crystal y things. No, I mean, after original series, we never see them again because they always look stupid. I don't know. I have a Jordi LaForge action figure that came with dilithium crystals. So I don't I'm think the sure action figures them. count as canon. No, I think we see them. I think we see them in this episode where Scotty is on Enterprise D because he tries doing something with the dilithium crystals and Jordi is like, no, technology is advanced. You don't have to remove them to do that. They talk Stop about it. He doesn't actually, we see the casing. They don't actually see the crystals. I don't know. My, I don't know. My action, LaForge, action figure. But we can Jordi agree LaForge that the dilithium crystals in this case look stupid and disappointing. Question. Yes. He was also trying to go back in time to stop Nazareth from being... I think they wrote, like, 18 to... plots for this episode and just kept the bits that they thought sounded interesting because it's, they couldn't fit them all. It's exactly what this felt like. This felt like a script that had multiple drafts oh, yeah. and a lot of scripting problems. And people involved. As Ari and I were watching this, and usually we don't say anything to each other when we're watching this, we want to save it for the podcast, but we did pause it. I turned to her and said, are we on LSD? <laughs> <laughs> I would have fully been convinced that I had somehow secretly dropped acid. Yep. Um, also because Lazarus in my brain looks exactly like Charlie Manson. <laughs> oh. It, it, this was, it was just such a bizarre episode. Yeah, it, it was. Is, and it, it starts out so, so nor I mean, like a lot of. Star Trek episodes. It like, starts out in the way that yeah. there is this kind of science Here clock. is this perfectly ordinary planet. Let's yeah. take some pictures of it. They, they do say that. Typical planet. 
Yep. No life, no surprises. Start the space Why cameras. would you say no Can I just say yes. that as we start the episode, the first shot of the whole thing, once we get onto the bridge, is Spock's ass as he is bent over his control panel. I did not notice I that. I did no, notice I that because I needed to pause my playback so I could go and get my notebook and everything. So Leonard Nimoy's <laughs> ass was frozen on my screen for about 20 minutes. So that is the opening shot of this episode is Leonard Nimoy's beautiful behind. If oh, only wow. the episode had been 20 minutes of just butt shots. <laughs> I would have been happy with that. Yeah, and instead yeah. we get, apparently, Nimoy's butt and a shot of the completely ordinary planet, and then all of a sudden... Yeah, I don't even know. I don't even know what the hell, how to even describe these explosions. It was like a, a, this, this a weird... galaxy overlay? Yeah, that's exactly it what it looked like. So there's the galaxy overlay, but then on top of that, you know when you're watching a movie and then there's like an old-timey newspaper headline oh, yeah. that spins spin in, spin in and, and, spin out. and spins out? Yeah. That is exactly what that effect yep. was. Yep. Oh, wow. This happens about 500 oh, times during these episodes. In fact, we're and still it takes watching longer. It. it feels like it takes longer every time because it's like, you, I, I sort of, I was wondering, like, when someone wrote this in the script, I want to know, A, how they described this goddamn effect, and B, how it looked in their head. <laughs> because oh, probably not how it turned out. Someone was disappointed. I will also say, I had to sit through so much of this effect that I was getting bored we, oh, rec- yeah. we record this on Tuesday evenings. Mm. I started watching this <laughs> on Sunday night. The third time. I finished this morning <laughs> at 7.15 a.m. The third time we see the corridor fight, which is like minutes long. Timeless. Um, she wouldn't let me fast forward through it. No. no we uh, had to experience all of it. I was like, every time it came on, I was like, this can't be happening again. It's gotta it's be like, over sure, soon. Surely something new will happen. That- nope. No. Same as they, the last four I times. I felt like they kept getting longer. They did. It was like they genuinely did. Slow-mo Greco-Roman wrestling. Except out of focus and the film had been switched to negative. Okay. And you couldn't really make out what was going on, except, is that a person? I don't... Are they oh. fighting? Are they walking back and... I don't know. And by the time you had any idea at all of just the shapes on the screen, it was over. It was just... It was this, never over, It takes right? them so much time, to the point where it's... I wondered if they came up short in actual content and just added more of this stuff to fill up the Oh, absolutely. I also think that might have to do with the fact that they didn't have their guest actor. Yeah, very so possibly. to save money and time, they, they were cut thinking, some lines. They were thinking of just scrapping the entire episode. They should have. Yeah, I would not. Have this is an artifact it, of it a time is, and a place. So instead, they shot all the scenes that did not require the actor, and I yeah. feel like that's where all that extra yeah. stuff comes. Yeah. So yeah. much, so, so much. So the the ship shutters, and I appreciate the acting that everyone here does, except for Shatner, who just kind of he's sitting in his chair and kind of just leans two inches to the right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not gonna get. And we too get right. what I'm going to call from this point on. We get the blink. Wait a second here. Hang on a the second blink here. Spin. Yeah, My blink notes. Spin. I'm talking about that they're scanning a planet. Everything almost disappears. The planet has zero gravity, yet they go down there and walk around. No, it no. had during the blink. Yes. Oh, For okay. a second, it seemed like everything winked out of existence. We were measuring the planet at the time. It lost all gravity. No, what happens is everything goes topsy-turvy because yeah. it's bizarro world yes. interfering with regular yes. world. Yes. Okay. But the way that, that Spock describes it is like, for a split second, everything seemed about to blink out into non-existence. And then Bad. Kirk... Snaps back. I want facts, not poetry. <laughs> <laughs> to the Vulcan. Sometimes 
he's not a very good manager or communicator. <laughs> no, he is not. But I thank you for saying he's bad at things. For just this instance, but I choose <laughs> to believe that this is actual verbal foreplay. So, and after the blink clears up, yeah. Oh, wait, there's a person on the surface of the planet no. who wasn't there before. And again, I love Our favorite this rocks. scenery. I yeah. love these rocks. They're this, great rocks. Is this Vasquez rocks again? Yes, it yes. is. Everyone looks good on those rocks. It's true. They do. They're, they're good backdrop and for everyone. And did you notice that we had a full contingent of red shirts? Yes. yes. Six red shirts. None of them died. Not a single one of them. Actually, there's... No. Nobody died. I was extremely no. disappointed. Yeah. You have a full... Like, this is our first full-on contingent of red shirts, yeah. I think, and none of them well, we died. we talked about this quite early on, is that the mainstream idea of how many red shirts die in Star Trek versus the number of them who actually die in Star Trek is very, very different. Well, we'll get there. Yeah. We will get there. Yeah. My slight flag on that play is that they know that these weird pulsations are happening everywhere. Something weird has just happened on the planet. The, sh- the s- ship is being shook to all smithereens. What should we do? I know. Send the captain and the first officer yeah. down so that the ship is completely unprotected. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Credits! <laughs> <laughs> um, can I just also note, if we're going to get to the credits, um, no DeForest Kelly again in the credits. Yes. I had to rewind to check, but he was in this episode. So what the hell is up with the opening credits? I don't know. Why did he get bumped? I think someone just screwed up, honestly. It's, no, but this is two episodes in a row now with no DeForest Kelly in the credits. It could be the amount of screen time that he had would mean whether he got um, opening credits or not. Instead of end credits. That's mm-hmm. actually quite possible. Oh, that could be possible. Because he's not actually in this episode very much. No, he's in like one And scene. we have no Scotty and we have no Sulu again. No. no. For unknown reasons. So we beam down to Pararide Rock, and mm-hmm. we have this amazing, again, a giant glass domed UFO. I love this ship. This ship makes beautiful. me really happy. Yeah. It's so classic sci-fi aesthetic. It is. It I love me, it. It delights me. What I do not love is Spock immediately goes up and lays his hands all over it. Oh, yes. That's super safe. Definitely. I just... Contagion, people! These, the Enterprise crew really has no sense radiation. of, like, personal security. Yes. You don't know what their ship... You don't know where that ship has been? No. It could have been to, like, Garbage Planet. It could have been Pooh Planet. You don't know. Anyhow. (laughs) (laughs) And then Charlie Manson shows up. And he falls off the rocks for the first time. Yeah. I want to note that while we do eventually get his name, I started basically referring to him as I first wrote him as Crazy Bearded Man. And CPR was less letters than Lazarus. (laughs) So that's how he was. uh... I also would love us to deconstruct why his name is Lazarus. (laughs) (laughs) He could have stood to lather that beard. But anyway, (laughs) why Lazarus? There is a beautiful line at this, at the very, very end, that I really liked, which is... The, The clever repeating thing? Yes, but what of Lazarus? And what of Lazarus? And what of Lazarus? I yeah. fucking love that. Well, Again, you know what? There's some threads of really clever stuff in this episode. It's like, that's quite clever. Like, I the, love the duality that. thing, which I know you really enjoy specifically. I love it. We also, this is the first time that we explicitly get that dilithium crystals power the ship and that antimatter reactions are involved in powering a starship. Clearly and then we have this, which they, they tried. They tried. Did not succeed. They tried to gracefully marry that into the whole matter universe, antimatter universe thing. Didn't work. But I saw what you were trying to do there. 
It just didn't happen. There are some beautiful... When um, Charlie Manson starts spewing off, like, he's death, the monster, he's anti-life. Yes. There's some really good stuff in here, dialogue-wise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I also like the idea that the monster is himself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you would just let it be that it was himself fighting himself, constantly thinking that the other one was the monster, and again, they were swapping back, and then it realized... No, in fact, you're both just fighting yourself. Yeah. yeah. There's an episode. Yep. Yeah, like, we didn't need all of that destroyed civilization, time destroyed travel, the universe, time nonsense. travel, whatever. You could have cut this down to some so much simpler, and it would have been really genuinely it's, good. Yeah. Well, I am wondering if there was script, pr- other than, like, yeah. an actor not showing up, yeah. if how much went into, like, the how rewriting. Because, I mean, like, we heard about, like, Shore Leave was, like, written yeah. on set yes. as they were filming, like... Is this something where something similar happened? Or? Yeah. We don't have a lot of the background for this one, but again, like, it feels like there were two runs of it, and I really like the idea of of the, the, the two people fighting each other, and each thinking one one is the monster. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's a very Star Trek metaphor, and yeah. the real monster is yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, and... I think that would have made a really good episode. And it would have really fit in with the duality of what Star Trek's done before. Like, you could have the sane one and the less sane one fighting each other. And mm-hmm. that would have been an amazing episode. But why Lazarus? I don't know. Um, it doesn't even map to the biblical story of Lazarus. It doesn't make any sense. So Lazarus was... He's the guy who rises from the dead. Yeah. yeah. But what of Lazarus? Like, after he rose from the dead. Doesn't he live forever? No, I don't think so. Okay, pause! So it makes no sense. No, okay. I am going to make this work. Oh, dear. So, long story short, Lazarus is ill. One of his pals, his sister, goes up to Jesus like, hey, he is sick. Jesus says, hmm. <laughs> chills for another two days before saddling his pony and when he finally moseys up Lazarus is a deadity dead and Martha his sister is like where were you (laughs) you with your healing hands could have stopped all of this and Jesus replies with what I'm going to base my thesis statement on that this name kind of works I guess I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then later we get my most cherished phrase of all, Jesus wept. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, he sashays into the tomb where everyone's like, oh, oh, really? Oh, no, maybe no. Maybe no. Um, but he goes on in, gives a thumbs up to Lazarus. And <laughs> <laughs> so it's Buddy Christ doing it. <laughs> yes, it is. And then they walk out and uh, someone tells him to get some better clothes on. And that is all. Wait, I Lazarus think should recap the Bible. I would yes. listen to it. Yes. And Jesus tells him, Lazarus, to put some bloody clothes on, bro. Okay. And that maps to the name, huh? Okay. Here we go. Oh, God. This is going to be interesting. Okay. So, the whole thing about Lazarus is that he is both life in our universe 
and death in the other universe. So he is at the same time both living and dead. And so Lazarus is the only other person that Jesus refers to other than himself who has been dead. And the Lazarus syndrome is talking when something spontaneously comes to life. So it has these two halves that never should meet, the life and the death. They should never coexist. But in Lazarus, in these two halves of matter and antimatter, life and death, they both exist in this eternity. So this is a tortured metaphor. Shut up, that works. And I'm that genius. only makes sense if you are a nuclear physicist or a Bible scholar. Of which I am both. <laughs> of which you are neither. <laughs> Let's move on. Good, good job, Kareem. Yeah. Way to put that English yeah. degree to good use. Yeah. <laughs> and your mother said it would never pay off. <laughs> she did. So Charlie Manson shows up, falls off a cliff. <laughs> not the first time, or not the only time this episode no, like will fall off a cliff. No, why should you be able to say that about a single 45 <laughs> minutes of television? Oh, no, this is the second time he falls off a cliff? <laughs> of, like, nine. Of nine. Seven of nine. Amazing Star Trek reference! Yeah, okay, very good. Uh, yeah, so Crazy Bearded Man falls off the cliff. He says, you Screaming, came. thank heavens you came, we can still stop him. Thank God. Thank God. See, he's come to life. <laughs> oh, God. Out of the hills, out of the tombs. <laughs> And so he's wearing, Kim, I would like you to describe his episode, because from far away, I'm sorry, his outfit, I want you to describe his outfit, because far away, I thought it was denim, and I was befuddled as to why we had denim in space. I don't think it's denim, I think it it's not. really heavy blue canvas. It's like twill. It is shiny. It looks, shiny honestly, twill. he looks like he has been shipwrecked. And tossed about at sea, and like he's come up on land in rags. I, to be honest, I wasn't paying that much attention to his clothes. I was too distracted by the beard. It was all I could see when he I, was on I screen. I am frankly shocked that Kim was not cataloging the fashion. Although I do want to note that it did look like denim, and also I had a pair of jeans that looked like that when I was eleven. Wow! All shiny rainbow denim. I was Amazing. distracted mm-hmm. by the terrible facial the, hair. That's fair. Crispy I mean, beard. The, the crispy beard. Crispy beard. I'm going to go a little bit further with your metaphor, Kim, and say that while he was like clinging to the one saw, like one wooden board of the ship that escaped the terrible <laughs> shipwreck. shipwreck Tiny rats scattered out of the sinking ship and lash onto the wood and start nibbling away at his beard. <laughs> the beard made no sense. No. It is not, I don't understand how that would be humanly possible to grow a beard like that. It wouldn't. You would have to, not only would you have to delicately pluck, so you've got those individual <laughs> strands perfectly hanging out, you would have to take a straightening iron to that beard every morning. Maybe that's high fashion in whatever. That beard was planet. ridiculous. Oh yes, definitely. Kareem's got a puzzled look. Please tell me you're not contemplating the beard. I really am. <laughs> Sometimes it is a little bit more erect than others. I think you're right. I think he does flat iron it. He does flat iron it. I also think he may fake it because it goes, <gasps> you said, it goes bushy and unbushy at different times. It's like he goes back to his quarters and glues a few more pieces on. He has a face working on? Oh yes, a face working <laughs> Oh god. So, back on the bridge, we have our favorite, I think our new favorite oh, yeah. the table, oh, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Lieutenant Masters. Oh, Lieutenant Masters. Yeah. She walked on screen and I'm like, new favorite character. She didn't even open oh, yeah. her mouth yet. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so even though she is engineering, she is wearing a blue science uniform. 
Well, engineering, no, engineering was always technically blue. No. no. Yeah. No. She should was, be it in was, red. It was red and gold that switched. No. No. Uh, Engine- medical and science Scotty's is always blue. Medical and science is blue. Yes. Commi- engineering is engineering red. Engineering is command. But maybe it was like a crossover speciality. Maybe it's like their area No, she's the head of whatever engineering division the she's The dilithium crystal engineering. Maybe that's yeah. too sciencey to fall under. I don't know. She also doesn't have a lieutenant sash. Or no, but she's referred lieutenant. to as lieutenant, so I don't care. Very good. Ari, would you like to do your explanation of Lieutenant Masters? Uh, Lieutenant Charlene Masters. Yes, I Who is excellent. Who is the second black woman with a guest role on Star Trek and is amazing. Um, also Lieutenant, just like Uhura. They probably get together and talk about how dumb everybody except them are. And how bad the space coffee is. And how bad the space coffee is, which mm-hmm. doesn't happen in this. She's played by Janet McLaughlin. It's the only episode of Star Trek she was ever in. Really? In the whole franchise. Um, yeah, it's very sad. Because she was genuinely excellent. Like Karine said, um, she was addressed as lieutenant, even though she didn't have a sleeve braid, which should have made her an ensign, but whatever. She had a laundry accident. Maybe she's supposed to have a red dress. We don't know. Uh, yeah, I just wrote, fuck that. <laughs> she guessed in basically everything that ever happened on television from, like, 1962 onward. She was in two episodes of Wonder Woman. I'm only going to the things that I have ever seen. Very good. Um, two episodes of Wonder Woman. One episode of Punky Brewster. <gasps> oh! Uh, six episodes of Cagney and Lacey. Two of Murder, She Wrote. <gasps> yeah. As, as, oh! as different characters. She She's a murdered? doctor, and one of them, I'm pretty sure she got murdered. One of them, she was not. Yeah. I think I remember who yeah, she is. Yeah, I think I do too. It was so weird. Um, sadly, she died in October of 2010, but she had an amazing number of IMDb credits, and good on you, Jenna McLaughlin. She's she did a great job. Yeah. yeah. Um, so on the bridge, from Starfleet, they received it as a code factor one in invasion imminent? Invasion status is what yeah. I say. Again, this and we talked to some Commodore what's-his-face who all, all I could it hear... It doesn't matter. I couldn't hear it over his amazing brooch. It was an yeah. amazing brooch. Yeah, he was it's, wearing the starburst brooch. Yeah, that every quadrant is experiencing these weird pulsations. Yeah, basically this happened everywhere. And they think that these pulsations are mechanically created and this the prelude to an invasion... And this is my favorite part here, who's like, Kirk's like, and then they're like, it's centered on your location, so you're going to investigate. And yeah. Kirk's like, great, how much backup are you going to send me? And the Commodore's like, none. <laughs> He's like, I'm pulling everyone back. Have fun. Bye. Yeah. You're on your own. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Kirk's face. Yeah. That was the best part. Yeah. So Kirk takes a moment to investigate this weirdo that he's beamed aboard, who's coincidentally arrived at the same time as these strange pulsations, mm. but thinks nothing of it. Yeah. It's Every- not connected at all. No, definitely not. The- Who is raving in sickness? Oh my gosh. The entire crew here, with the exception of Lieutenant Masters, seems to have had a lobotomy? <laughs> they- it felt like they all lost 20 IQ points somewhere along the way. Ooh, because 40. I'm sitting there watching them going, you freaking morons. Yeah. It's related because it's happening at the same time in the same place. Get well, smarter. I, mean, I think they're, they're suspicious of him. Like, they think he's a liar from the start. Oh, they should be much more than suspicious. But he they wasn't there. No. Then he was there. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's... It, the, some of the characters seem like they're making the connection, but the show doesn't. No, no, no. They're they're all. I don't even know. I'm pretty sure even like 
crawling drunk. <laughs> if for some reason I'd imbibed all the alcohol in the world <laughs> and found myself and on the died. deck of Star Trek, I would be rolling around like a tiny kitten on my back on the bridge because apparently anyone can fucking stroll on there. <laughs> and kind of, as this was happening, I would perk my head up and go, oh, it's him. No. Guys. Guys. Is that guy. He's making it happen. No, 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 no. It's him. (laughs) You should ask him questions. It took way too long to get to the point. Oh, yeah. And he basically has to turn Guys, guys, put a security guard on Put well, they two do security <laughs> guards. Fair, they do. They're just no, apparently no, they don't. Incredible. No, they do later. No, wait, on. wait, 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 wait. Three security guards. Okay, anyway. drunk Kareem, go away. We need sober Kareem back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the security guard thing is my favorite thing. My second favorite thing <laughs> yeah. in the whole episode, and I'm so excited to get there. Yeah. So crazy bearded man is basically just raving. He again. Get, you get little bits and pieces that kind of are coherent, but not very many no, of them. and again, I like a lot of these lines. Oh, yeah. I'm pursuing the devil's, devil's spawn. Devil's own spawn. Yeah. He's a sh- human, but he's a hideous, murdering he's monster. He's an evil monster on the inside. He's not a man. He's a thing. Again, going with my pitch for this episode, that mm. it actually just is him. Yeah. 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 Well, I would have liked it if it were the version of um, dimension swapping, where you just swap consciousnesses with your alternate universe self, so you get their b- version of the body. Okay. So you would even look the same. Sure. Yeah. I'll give you that too. Mm-hmm. He also says that um, that whoever this monster is, it destroys his entire civilization. He's anti-life. He lives to destroy. And all that Kirk gets out of that is, so he attacked you. Uh, and I'm like, th- you're missing a few layers, Jim. Just, no. just, just a few. So on top of that layer, Kate, he also <laughs> Join says- Join me in my holy cause. Yes. Yeah. Of justice and vengeance. He also says- you believe me, don't you? And Kirk's Any, like, no. Anyone who asks you that, you yeah. should not believe you them. You should not. No. And in fact, Kirk looks at him and he's like, you seem slightly crazy and highly undependable. But not crazy enough to put a security guard not on Not at this him. point, no. Nope. nope. So they beam down. In fact, down he invites to... him on the away mission. Oh my god. Because that's perfectly Let's simple. all beam down together and take a look at this weird ship that appears Although Spock, to his credit, immediately looks at this guy and he's like, so I've done the science and you're a liar. Yeah. Thank you, Spock. So... Was there? A, there was a lot of scene changes in this episode. Oh yes, episode. so many crazy numbers. Constant, just yeah. back and forth and back and forth and back yeah. and forth, up and down, up and down, yeah, up and down, yeah. side to side. Engineering bridge, planet, sick bay bridge, planet. Yeah, like beamed up and down to this thing like By five frost. times. Just get it all over and why? So much toing and froing. Yes, the only reason why we should even go down to this place is that Spock does say that I've made the logical deduction that you are a liar. Yeah, and then he's like, why are you so mad? And then there's a giant storm? Well, he runs off and has one of his body-swapping fits, and apparently that causes storms. I don't know. It causes wind, and And the ground shakes. Lightning, and ground shakes, and then we see him twisting around on the rock. And then we get an endless corridor scene. Yeah. The, the blue screen, like the negative slow-mo grappling. I wrote the this down as the neg zone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they are just lazily spinning around the frame as we Rolling are watching. Over. It was it was 2001 a Space Odyssey-esque in yeah. its except like you would say except boring, but 2001 A Space Odyssey is boring. <gasps> I was going to say more boring. Oh, live 
and die on that hill. I was you just, were wrong. It I is was, a masterpiece. The, there is one, the, the, the long pan, I do get bored about halfway through it, but I was going to say it's more boring than that. Uh, because oh, no. that I like, expect that from a 2001 A Space Odyssey. That was 84 hours of my life. I'm never getting back. <laughs> in, in some ways, I am still watching his stupid eyeballs track his LSD trip. Yeah. I did a presentation on that film in uh-huh. one of my like drama classes in high school. And I showed one of the sections where it was all like, flashy lights and long pans and crazy shit. And I got to the end of the segment that I was going to turn it off. And my film teacher goes, no, no. Keep playing. We're getting to the good part. And I made everybody watch. And you watch- just kept waiting! Yes, I made everybody watch 15 minutes and it was beautiful. Such a good movie. Everybody should watch it. I don't like when the computer Karina goes and I evil. are having a stare down at the moment you here. You fast forward through that thing at 8 speed and not miss a thing. If I wanted to go on an LSD trip with Stanley Kubrick, <laughs> I would have. <laughs> Uh, okay, um, so... <laughs> this is how I just... I've got a question, so here. So we get the crazy blue screen negative, and we get the two Lazarus... Gently wrestling. Yeah. yeah. But they don't swap here, because at oh, some God. point we get Lazarus screaming, I have his screaming, kill, kill, oh, kill, kill. Oh, yeah. Can we not try and track which Lazarus is on screen, because I don't care. No. And at a certain point, they're like, oh, one of them has a bandage, one of them doesn't. Yeah, I don't care. But then they... Didn't always swap no. that. No. Yes, they, they were consistent with it. Well, as soon as they as soon as they said that one of them had a bandage, one of them didn't. I started paying attention. Okay, they did actually keep that did up? I don't yes, care. they did. They did actually I keep that part care. up, but it was at this point here. I have no idea what's happening. No, it doesn't. He falls down a cliff again. Yeah. Also, you were right. This is also where we find out that he's called Lazarus without him ever introducing Kirk himself. Because Kirk just yells after him. Because like when they were up in sickbay and he's first questioning him, he doesn't ask him. Any personal information, like, how old are you? Where are you from? How are you feeling today? What's your favorite color? Oh. What oh, were you thinking with that beard? What's your name? What do we put on the chart here? Anyways. Yes. So back to Sick Bay, where he's being treated by a unicorn horn that McCoy has mounted onto the wall. <laughs> and they discover that he is humanoid, but they don't understand how he's doing this. So they think that he's, I think they think he's an invader, that he does this yeah, at will. Yeah, that he's like a scout. Fine. Or something. Uh, McCoy has on some, what can only be described as, bitching eyeshadow. <laughs> yeah. His eye makeup is amazing. And Kirk and Spock had this conversation where Kirk was like, I basically think this guy's a crazy liar. And Spock's like, we still have no idea what's going on. Um, but I definitely don't think one invisible imaginary dude could do this. Because the Lazarus that is on screen is still saying, it's the other one! And there's no evidence that the other one exists. Yeah. So... There's also but, uh, a talk about McCoy's miraculous touch, <laughs> which again is in my Kirk McCoy fic. Yeah. And then there's, they, they at some point they swap, I think. Yeah, because Bones says that Cuddy healed earlier apparently never happened. Yeah. And we're supposed to start paying attention to which Lazarus is on screen by where the cut on his forehead is. And I just, I was could like, could not follow. Could not be bothered. Not important. And also during this, he just. Lazarus tiptoes out. Actually, he doesn't even tiptoe. There's no subterfuge there. He just stands up and walks out. And they're having this intimate conversation. Not even completely in another room. Just sort of like in a doorway. Moses. Moses. (laughs) Moses. Yep. And so... Oh my god. Kirk is like, hey! Hey! Where is that guy? And McCoy's (laughs) response is... Oh, this is a big ship. 
And I'm just a country doctor. Because this isn't <laughs> an what? urgent issue at all. That's his, that's his uh, McCoy's basic answer to, I'm negating all responsibility for this situation. Not my division. <laughs> yes. Very much. Um, but where he has gone is the rec room. So, yes, we are... We get to see Lieutenant Masters again. We join an episode of Coffee Talk with Lieutenant <laughs> Masters, where they are slagging the coffee, and they sit down at a table with, I can only describe as the deadest-eyed actress I have ever seen <laughs> in my life. Do we even she, see her face? Uh, yeah. Okay. She has lost all will to live. But we get I don't even think she, she knows what she's doing. She was watching this episode. <laughs> Very possibly. But they banter about uh, bad coffee and dilithium, which is Lieutenant Masters' job. Something to do with dilithium. Yeah, and... Lazarus, who is just sitting in the middle of the rec room, completely unremarked by the Enterprise crew, who are also in the rec room, perks up. Dilithium? Okay, I would again like to raise the red flag of a... Charlie Manson walks onto the bridge of Star Trek Enterprise, and no one is like, Huh! Stranger danger, which leads me to believe that there are constantly unaccompanied strangers. Well, I mean, this is the rec room, not in. the bridge, but... Who cares? Surely they would it, know on any given day how many people are on board who are not part of the normal crew. I pause it to both of you. <laughs> you are sitting in your staff room at work, having a sandwich, some weird bearded hippie shows up. You don't go like, hey. Well, yes, I would. But who are you? This is more like the employee lounge, which at any time has like six people or a hundred people in it. I'm there not going to challenge four hundred and thirty people on this ship. I'm pretty sure you'd know all yeah. of them. However, like that's what I said before, though. It's like this is less like the the, the employee lounge at work and more like you're on a cruise ship that you've like, been on for the last five years that you would no one else could have come on board that you don't know about. So yeah, they really should know this guy is on the He's ship. He's wearing a shiny blue yeah. faux denim suit. He's the only person with that beard. <laughs> if anything, they should notice that beard. Yeah, that's true. So he starts he gets up and the again. Yeah, and has another fight with himself it's in the star hallway. effect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Kirk and Bones track him down. And he's got a head wound again when he comes out of this. Sure. With the shiniest badge. Like, very shiny. Shiniest, like, um, band-aid. Band-aid. It barely sticks to him, too. <laughs> yeah. And it after they found him fitting in the hallway, they're like, okay, let's go to the bridge. Because that's the sensible thing to do with someone who's lying to you, probably trying to destroy the universe and escape sickbay just now. Yeah, and let's go to the bridge. No, and McCoy's like, I would have sworn to goodness that that had been fixed. And Kirk's like, shut your lies. Yeah, and he's McCoy's just like, him oh, huh. Why would you make a joke at a time like that? What, 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 no what, idea. what, 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 what? <laughs> are you okay, Kareem? No, I just, I can't. No, it doesn't make any sense. Their characters are written to be dumb. Stupid, yeah. So that we can kill Because if Kirk was... clued in at this point, the episode would be over. Basically, it, it's yes. It's like 18 minus 3 equals Q. Yeah. That's what I keep coming up against this in this episode, is that I'm trying to make sense of something that doesn't. I so there's a rip in space. Mm-hmm. There's a source of radiation on the planet that wasn't there before. Why didn't the sensors pick it up? Well, it wasn't there before. And by the way, it isn't there because there's nothing that could be causing it. Which is when we get introduced to the first time... To the idea of a rift in the space-time continuum. Which I like. Yes, I also really enjoy that. And so 
Beardy McGee is like, I need those crystals. Give me those crystals. I need them. They're the heart of the power of my ship. Give me them crystals. Give me them crystals. And Kirk's like, um, no. no. We I'll have those. my vengeance. Why are you letting him walk around? Yeah. And so then he proceeds to threaten Kirk, who says, yeah. is that a threat? And then he threatens him again. Yeah. And Kirk says, is that a threat? And, and then like, he definitely threatens him. Yeah. And then he just lets him leave. Yeah. And, this um, is, and yeah. then he stars out again, and we get Lazarus with no head wounds. That's negative Lazarus is now here again. This is the second time he's been on the ship. Okay. So engineering is clearly labeled on the door. He opens yeah. up a cabinet in the corridor that Should is that unguarded, be? unlocked. Yeah. Labeled high voltage. That Oh, yeah, but anyone can just pop it open, rearrange the crystals inside, and short-circuit yeah, the sure, entire dilithium crystal heart of, the sh- no. heart of the Enterprise. Yeah. It causes a circuit fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he sneaks into engineering and knocks out Masters <laughs> and her minion. I think we've skipped ahead. We have, no. but who cares? Yeah. We skipped the bit. Okay, well, the bridge calls down to Lieutenant Masters. Actually, that's, that's true. She gets to do science. Because Kirk calls down to engineering, he's like, I need you to prepare an experimental chamber with the dilithium crystals, because apparently somehow they are involved in detecting the rift or whatever, whatever. it is. Whatever. Who cares? But she gets to do science, important. and she's like, okay, let me science. Goes away, comes back. Yes, Captain, I'll have that ready in ten minutes, and I really enjoy being competent in the science Well, and the thing that we get here that I really enjoyed is that she, you, we find out that she's the boss. She has an yeah. assistant. She's got a dude yeah. who comes up. And well, she's got more than one. She, there's at least two other crew in that room. She, yeah, that I really, really love, just yeah. having her order, be able to order people around and have people asking, okay, do you want me to do this now? Yeah. Yeah. So great. Lazra... Lazra knocks them out. No, he asthma inhales them to death. Okay. Sure. Um, th- at this point, we have this... Uh, Uhura says, uh, security reports Lazarus missing. So did they go after him? Did Kirk only just as he stomped off the bridge after threatening them all go, maybe we should have a guard on that guy. Maybe and we they should can't have find two. him? Again, I don't know. I'm a drunk kitten on the floor. Maybe we should have three. Treat yourself. Yeah. Um, and of course, like, engineering's a little bit on fire. It is a lot of it on fire. No big deal. But, you know, uh, I'm sure that's not a problem. Uh, no big deal. So it sneaks away with dilithium crystals. Or he, I guess. Yeah. And then... They? He, they, it's... Lazarus. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they're missing two crystals. And I think he switched again because they catch him. Yeah, they do catch him they again. Do. And he says, is, it wasn't me, find my enemy. He gets, because this is head wound. So, so okay, so negative. I have a note also. Lazarus is the one who attacks Masters. Yes. Sets the fire and steals the crystals. Yes. Same Lazarus. No, I'm calling him negative because I don't yeah, necessarily. Yeah, Yeah. Okay. Why does he want the crystals? Is he trying to destroy positive Lazarus? He needs them to power his ship for whatever reason. They need the ship to get into Nonsense the, reason. the Rainbow Bridge. And I think also so that he can lock it. So that he can travel by, at will is one thing they say at one point. It's like he can't be allowed to, to travel at will. It doesn't make well, sense. He wants to, it's no, nonsense. Positive Lazarus wants to use the ship to go back in time to a certain point to stop him. And also kill him and destroy the universe. Sure, yeah. He's not really particular. A negative Lazarus needs the dilithium crystals to run his ship so that he can trap them. Anyways, there's a lot of really good nonsense here. Yeah, and he says, it wasn't me. And, okay, here is my quibble with this guy. If you know you have an evil doppelganger who body switches with you at unpredictable intervals and 
and looks exactly like you. Maybe when you are rescued by the innocent starship crew who's just trying to do a photographic survey, fucking lead with that. <laughs> they, they did bury the lead. There. Yeah. The part that got me here is that his beard is mostly missing during this scene. <laughs> it comes and yeah. goes. There's only a very few wispy strands left clinging to his chin quiet desperation. The crazier he gets, the less beard he has. Except, <laughs> then we change scenes oh. immediately, so we're down on the planet, and his full beard is back! It's not no. going I to I actually sense. rewound it to double check that it wasn't just, like, lighting or something, but no, no. It is a completely different facial beard piece than yeah, what he was wearing. Yeah, it's, it's nonsense. And then we do the time warp again. They beam down. There's amazing music. The wispiest beard flutters in the wind. He falls to his death again. again. Yep. And then Kirk seems to think that he saved his life, but he threw a rock at him and then said, move out of the way. Does Tripped that over a rock? I don't think he tried to kick the rock. I don't. It's stupid. If I'm stabbing. No, wait. If I'm going to stab you, if I'm running up towards you with a gu- uh, like a knife aimed at your heart and say, get out of the way! And then you move to the left and I instead stab the wall. Does that count as saving your life? (laughs) (laughs) Apparently in this episode it does. Um, I guess you were kind enough to warn someone, so yes? Yes, okay. Okay. Then there is more nonsense. There's no planet where he said there was. And then you get the truth. Yeah, because we get, they refer to his original testimony, which I guess happens off screen, because apparently he gave them coordinates of the planet he's supposed to be from, which doesn't exist. So yeah, having fallen down. Yeah, the essentials of this is BT Dubs, the computer says you're a liar. Yeah. And so after having fallen down a cliff three times, finally he's ready to share the truth, where he says, my earth is that planet. Metaphorically earth. My spaceship is a time chamber a time ship i am a time travel i'm searching for the other time traveler who wants to kill the future something something blah 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 he needs the crystals and the other the bad guy took them but uh, i don't understand it's because it doesn't make any sense no it does not make any sense it's It's, nonsensical it is nonsensical that's exactly it kirk says where are my crystals uh, Crazy Bird Man says he has them, the other one. Um, sure. Yeah. And then Kirk says, keep him here and stomps out. Bone says, he's not going anywhere. He immediately goes elsewhere. <laughs> okay, so this was my favorite, my second favorite part of the whole episode. <laughs> Bones actually looks at the security guard who's finally showed up, <laughs> says, get that muscle man out of here, which is beautiful. So the security, because he's not, because he's not going anywhere. So what I wrote down in here is he is definitely going somewhere. <laughs> uh, so security kicks out. And so Bones is talking to Kirk and Bones says he's in a lot of pain. And Kirk says sometimes pain can drive a man harder than pleasure. I'm sure you know that, doctor. <laughs> and then I wrote like 17 fan fictions in my head. <laughs> because that was... Like that line that was, about, was kinky. That yeah, was about how they like bit. to get a little rough in bed. Like, what yeah. the hell? Look, I'm triple underlined. I, I remember it. It's so nonsensy because like this, so much of this, this man story. who has escaped from sick bay, sick bay, stolen crystals, is now back in sick bay. McCoy's like, no, he's not going anywhere. Get security away. 
He immediately escapes from sleep. Like, Kirk leaves. Bones goes to the other room. So Lazarus gets up and just walks off. Like when Jesus <laughs> said. Oh, boy. So, I, either McCoy is the worst doctor in all time. Well, he's certainly yes. not a very good security guard. What's your or? Or? Or. The story needed him to escape sick bay again. Or. I'm going to so say yes did. to both. Or. <laughs> I've only got or. He's the worst doctor ever. You should be able to know when someone's going to have the strength to walk Especially out Especially with somewhere. your fancy future machines. Yeah. So we get a Kirk and Spock conversation where they, where the writers attempt to make Ooh. any of this bullshit make sense. Um, what the hell is going on? Spock says, our instrument should be able to find this mysterious energy source if it is in our universe. And Kirk, leaping apparently somewhere from somewhere he to somewhere. He high jumps? No, he, he high pole jumps. Pole vaults. So, it's not of our universe. Oh, it should be from a parallel And then they, universe. out of nowhere, spin this... What if there's a negative universe that came into contact with ours? Spock says, it would create a warp, a hole. Kirk says, or a door that would allow things or people to pass between. So, like an invasion, like the Commodore thought, but only a small scale one. Like just one dude. My only thought from this whole scene, aside from the fact that Kirk was jumping wildly to conclusions. (laughs) So was Spock. Um, isn't it usually Spock who's trying to be give like the semi sciencey explanation? Well, they and were why sort of, was it Kirk in this? Well, it wasn't just Kirk; though. it was both of them. They were sort of bouncing back and forth because the writer went, "Okay, I have to start here and end here, so I'm just going to just throw words in and hope <laughs> that it comes out." It doesn't. I mean, you the, the the they follow the logic, but the the backing for it comes out of nowhere. No, I because don't... nothing that we have seen them get so far should feed into any of this. I will give you. That if our inst- if our instruments can scan anything in our in our universe, yeah. then if it can't find this light that's emanating on yeah. the planet, this rip, then it can't be from our universe. Yeah, I get Fine. that. But where do we get from there to, to matter antimatter parallel universes? And also that you can leap from universe to universe. Yes, a small scale invasion. What if there are two of him? Like, just out of nowhere. This is, again, this is why I'm wondering if there were scripting problems in the process. Because this is a completely insane, totally untethered to the rest of the episode chunk of exposition. I mean, it's not that it's not necessary, but you know what would have been better is if the rest of the episode did the work for you (laughs) instead of just shoving this in. And, oh yeah, BT Dubs, if they ever meet, the entire universe will be annihilated. Yeah. And we're done. Next yeah. scene. So, engineering is on fire. <laughs> yes. Mm, yeah. Well, this this was my, um, he's in the hallways, and he just finds a panel marked yeah. high voltage. And just messes opens, with it. Opens with it, shuffles a couple things around, and sets a fire. Yeah, and then grabs the dilithium crystals and books it out to the transporter room. Yes. Which, uh, but not before Lieutenant Masters heroically orders her, her crew out of the yeah, room. She does. Okay, question though. He went in and grabbed dilithium crystals. Yes. Weren't they already stolen? No, he no. stole two of them. He stole so, the other two. Oh negative Lazarus stole them, and apparently is able to transport them in a towel. In Never mind. So he took them to negative land. And this is positive Lazarus stealing the rest of the crystals. So they both have crystals. Okay. And they they use them to charge their ship so that they're able to 
Oh, this is whatever. so dumb. This is anyway, so dumb. No, this is leading up to one of my favorite things of all time. So you know how I have a problem with the security on the Enterprise. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is a long established fact that I really believe that someone needs to take a hard look at who is able to wander around willy-nilly on a spaceship on the bridge. Engineering. Engineering. The fact that you have important wires and controllers and in I would the like, hallway. I would love to also add to this the dumbest uh transporter tech no we're getting there <laughs> so you're in transporter which controls who can go on and off the ship this is important you are at like code one you could be a war there could be invasion so moving people around is going to be very very important you know that you have a potentially dangerous criminal who can cause the entire universe to blink who can cause gravity to stop working who can reverse magnets so my god you have to make sure that your transporter is in order you need to make sure to move people at a moment's notice and lots of and prevent the total annihilation of the entire universe so what do you do you leave the intern in charge <laughs> the intern who challenges Lazarus when he storms crazily and sweatily into the transporter room with all the conviction of a movie theater employee telling you that you only paid for a small and that is a medium cup <laughs> he says and what is I'm gonna say my performance of the episode <laughs> hey you shouldn't be in here <laughs> sir he calls him sir <laughs> it was it was like watching a teenager trying to hold back, yeah. like, 17 toddlers. <laughs> or, like, the crazy people with the coupons. I like to think of it as he's, like, the intern on Con Air. <laughs> Sir, I'm going to need you to put down that machete. <laughs> and, of course, the intern gets Not long for this world. And Lazarus out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, down to the surface, where he apparently unwraps the, they look like whiskey bottles, like crappy whiskey bottles, wrapped up in a towel, unwraps them, plugs them in, plugs them into the ship. This is the part that I remember from childhood. This is, this is the, the frame that I remember is going, those don't look spacey at all. She's your standard behind. So (laughs) Kirk accidentally fondles the crystal. How, yeah, and somehow Kirk is beamed yeah. down by himself. <sighs> runs after Lazarus, says, "No, you mustn't." And uh, then Kirk touches the ship on a trip. I, yeah. I, I the, my my title for this section is Kirk in Negative Land, <laughs> <laughs> so and disappears. He goes into the slow mo universe where he has the brightest, whitest pants I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> god, this is lasting five hundred years. Oh my god, so slow. So he's now in Bizarro Land, which looks just like the regular, land. except that there's a purple sky. Yes, uh, and yeah. there is Wispier Charlie Manson. I don't know who gives a baffling explanation as to what the last 40 minutes were all about. <laughs> Which explains zero things. No, that the corridor is a safety valve to keep eternity from blowing up. Okay. Good. So, Nazareth's plan is to trap him and Pazarus in this corridor forever so that the universe will be safe. Because if identical particles meet outside the corridor, it will destroy the universe. Because, sure. 
So, okay. Yeah, the idea of there being parallel universes broke him, so he wants to burn it all down. So yeah. he went to a time of his own chooses, and then he oh, was going to find... It devolved into like insane nonsense. Here's the 17 pitches that I had for this episode, and they all sounded so great. I had to include them all. Yeah, but they contradict each other, Bob. I. But they're also great. But Bob, this one makes zero sense with this one, and also this one, and this one, and this one, and this one. But I spent so much time on them. Let's not forget this man's name. It was Don Ingalls. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently, the door mm-hmm. is created by the ship because Where? if they destroy the ships it closes the door and they will be trapped forever this doesn't explain how they were switching while they were on the enterprise no. but whatever no and kirk i think is supposed to have like this moment with nazareth where he's like oh but you'll be trapped what a large price to pay, I guess. And he says it's no great sacrifice. I guess. I guess. I don't know. Being trapped sure. in eternity with that stupid beard without plucking it out one by one. Maybe they'll rip each other's beards out. Ooh. Maybe that's why they have such wispy beards, if that's what they do. <laughs> They've just been chasing bite. each other through the universe, ripping each other's beard. beards out. You would watch that. Yeah. And all the... This is where they establish what we already knew, which is that all the fight, the gentle negative wrestling scenes we've seen <laughs> have been in the nonsense corridor between worlds. Negative wrestling. So... Nazareth sends Kirk back to Kirk-Fu Pazarus into now, the corridor. here's another thing that makes zero sense, because he's like, okay, well, your trip through has temporarily drained the crystals. Okay. On his side. Fine. Great. Um, but you must not let him come through at a time of his own choosing, because apparently that will, that will ruin everything. <laughs> because he will go back in time... To some other time. Instead of being forced to where the other Lazarus is waiting for I, him. I, this doesn't I make any sense. I assume he would go back in time and kill his double on the other side. Sure. And fine. bring about the destruction of the world. But basically... You know what? Actually, fine. If sure. you need that explanation, that's I don't perfectly care. sensible. So yeah. he tells Kirk, go back to your world and shove him through and that will fix everything, basically. Fine. And... Kirk goes back through. Of course. And that is exactly what happens, except the sequence is way too fucking long. Oh no, there's a beautiful... Hilarious grappling. Where Shatner, or at least Shatner's body double, is a tiny, (laughs) tiny little man. Yeah. (sighs) And there's a lot of face grabbing. It lasts a really long time. And then Pazara says, I'm not ready. And then he gets shoved in. Yeah. And And then he's finally gone. Kirk zips back up and they destroy the ship, thus. From orbit. I actually really like that. That was cool. Yeah, good thing. That's a good good thing. And then they phaser it. To mm-hmm. evaporation, and it mm-hmm. somehow still leaves a shadow. Sure. And <laughs> Kirk is like, well, let's get the fuck out of here. And then him and Spock kind of have an aside talk where Spock somehow intuits all that happened. Yeah. Sucks we had to lock that guy up for eternity with his crazy doppelganger. No escape for them, of course. No escapes. Trapped forever with a raging man-man for all of eternity. What of Lazarus? And what of Lazarus? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, this was like, this was, this was, I, I don't even have a words for this. Endless? Yes, endless. definitely endless. It's why it took me using three days to watch it. Are we in the corridor? Is the corridor this <laughs> Oh episode? my god, 
It's us versus this episode. It's us versus this episode. That we're constantly we are grappling with the episode and thus grappling with ourselves. I know what it feels like. Are the dark side of ourselves? I just have to say, I'm actually really glad that you guys had all the same problems with this as I did. It's just I can (laughs) eke out meaning and and enjoyment out of anything as long as there is like a basic scaffolding of something that makes some fucking sense there was no scaffold it doesn't even have to be complex no not complex really simple this to this to this this is the point this is the meaning this is what happened except none of that was here i mean the best episodes of star trek are you know like a logic puzzle or they introduce introduce like a science thing or it's a social a very thinly veiled social commentary well you know how some shows are really good at character development and some shows are really good at plot i usually don't care about those shows shows are good at abs some yes some shows are really good at world building star trek's biggest strength throughout most of the franchises is committing to a message and having the plot and the characters bear that message out. And this didn't do any of the things. What I like about Star Trek is, yes, doing a message, but they also, and I use this word a lot, grapple with things. Either yes. they're grappling with a new yes. scientific mm-hmm. discovery and what does that mean and how can we solve it and how how do we turn the danger around. Fine, but grapple with an idea or a culture that is foreign to There's us. There's usually mm-hmm. a theme to an episode yeah. and you can come out with some kind of a yeah. thesis statement about what they're trying to say and you no. can't do that with you this episode. You usually at least get like an emotionally satisfying resolution to the question and this didn't even really pose the question. It just sort of threw things at your face in different colors and casts and <laughs> RBG adjustments until you had a headache like I do right now. I feel... Like, again, if it had been my pitch that he was fighting himself, I I like the bit about the heroic sacrifice of locking, yeah, sure. locking, locking essentially the dangerous part of himself off from the rest of the universe. Yeah, yeah locking yourself away with only yourself yes. for yes. all eternity. I that yes. even that was great. That's a good theme. The yeah. stuff about how they discovered the doorway and it drove him crazy and it blah, blah. It's just that they spent too much time and too much complication trying to make it seem subtle and complex when they should have just gone bam 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 this is what happened and then everything went fucking crazy they spent too much time trying to elaborate and it ended up adding more stuff that didn't make sense with each other remove the time ship yeah the time travel thing didn't go anywhere didn't make any sense add a beard (laughs) a real beard a full beard a full beard make him look like he hasn't shaved like, give, make him a real, like, I feel like they started, beard. and then he was dragged on the set. So. <laughs> and it just started falling off, and they didn't have time to fix it? No. So, Kim. Yes. Life lesson? I actually have one, because I wrote oh, it da- I wrote it wow. down. So, my life lesson is to just accept that there are multiple copies of yourself in infinite <laughs> dimensions, and that everything is possible. Make peace with it now. <laughs> Yeah, so that you're emotionally prepared in the future. Huh. Uh, Ari, your life lesson. Oh, God. I feel like genre savvy would have saved them a lot of trouble in this instance, so that's mine. That is also my one of my personal life tenets, is that mm. being genre savvy, it'll save a life. <laughs> and in this case, a universe, apparently. That's true. I think mine would be to listen to Drunk Korean Kitten on the bridge. She has some really sage advice for you. <laughs> I really enjoy that I'm the one with the actual life lesson and you guys just came up with the nonsense this That's week. That's because it was nonsense! It was nonsense! Oh, oh was... also kids, try LSD! Oh, 
Or don't. Just watch 2001 <laughs> A Space Odyssey. Yeah, this is all you're th- and this episode. All mm. that's needed. It, taking LSD looks tedious. It does. It does. Ugh. And we had no deaths. No deaths. No deaths. And we had eight and eight ladies and people of color. There were lots yeah. of ladies in this episode. There were quite a lot. In the background. And not and just in like the rec room scene where we usually get like a surfeit of ladies and people of color. They were like yeah. just here and there every time there was yeah. like more than two or three people on the screen at least one of them was not a white guy. Yeah. Which does not sound that impressive now. It isn't. But back then was a big fucking deal. Yeah. Um, Kim, performance of the episode. Uh, the actress who played Lieutenant Masters, she was the best thing about this episode. Jennifer and she Coughlin. was definitely the most compelling person to watch on screen. Agreed. Agreed. Real shame that she doesn't come back. And I know yeah. that's the nature of Star Trek, but sometimes it's so yeah. hard, especially when thinking about future series, when they really do bring back those bit players. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, especially yeah, when, you, especially when you compare it to like Deep Space Nine, which creates mm. this like rich community. Well, it's funny because in later Star Treks, that's exactly it. They have they have a stable of actors. They have yeah. Star Trek actors. And if like if you are ever on a Starfleet crew from like TNG onward, they they remember you. There's yeah. a book somewhere with your name and your picture in it and your character's entire backstory that was never ever on screen, but they know it. Which is so weird thinking about how they made television back then where they were constantly recycling yeah. people and bringing new actors. Yeah, that they, was really, they, really common until the end of the 80s. Yeah, they instead reused actors and actresses as different people. Yeah, yeah. that happens happen all the time. Yeah. And but, it's so weird. I mean, British TV still does this. Sometimes Midsummer it happens a lot. That's because there are only so many people in England to kill. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, you see that as well with some of the bigger, longer-running procedure, like American crime procedurals, yeah. procedurals yeah. like CSIs and but NYPD, in the of, whatever. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of that's the format. It's like, you don't really, it's not about world-building. It's about, like, but they it brought, is plot-based. they brought back, if I'm thinking about CSI, like, occasionally yeah. they would oh, bring yeah. back characters. It happens, I think, back. procedurals are the only place I can think of where it happens routinely. If you go on IMDb, a lot of the time you'll find somebody's got two credits for a CSI, three. but they're all for different characters. Yeah, that's it's very common in procedure. I guess that might explain it with Midsummer too. Is that that's the niche it would fall into? But they don't really do it in a lot in other kinds of shows. It's well, not except, as except Deep Space Nine, where Jeffrey Coombs plays, I think, about four or five different characters, uh, yes. and often in the same episode. <laughs> yes. I mean, there's there's a few different uh, actors like that in the Star Trek stable, of course, but they were all different species at the time, usually, so it doesn't yeah, really true. count. Yeah. Um, Ari, performance of the episode. Oh, I'm also giving it to Jenna McLaughlin. I am going to be the lone wolf here and give it to uh, Transporter Intern. He <laughs> gave possibly the most realistic performance I've <laughs> ever seen. Sad muffin. Poor thing. You're not supposed to be here, sir. And in fact, none of us were supposed to be here watching this oh, episode. Nonsense. Nonsense.